Welcome to the Point Church Teaching Podcast. I'm Corey Ickes, one of the pastors here at Point Church in Fort Liberty. We seek to exalt Jesus and equip the saints through expositional preaching and teaching. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted from this week's teaching. So brothers and sisters, like Barry said, we are going to continue in this really neat series that we started a few weeks ago called The Story of God. The Story of God. If you take a look at the uh, screens right now, you can see that this is sort of the, the four acts of the story of God. This is the arc of redemptive history. Through a biblical lens, this is where history has come from, where it all started, what went wrong, is there any hope, and what does the future hold? It started with creation, the fall. Creation answers the question, uh, where did it all begin, right? The fall, uh, that answers the question, um, uh, what went wrong? And Barry kicked us off last week by beginning to answer the question, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Now, any hope for what? Well, Corey set the stage for us uh, in the fall. Any hope for what? Any hope for us, right? Any hope for us. Corey drove the point home that um, humanity and the whole universe have been corrupted by sin. And because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, we are all born rebels in need of rescue. So is there any hope? That's the question that I get the honor of answering from God's Word this morning. So turn with me right now to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We are in this phase, this act of the story of God called redemption. Is there any hope? Barry started us out. We know that the answer to that question is absolutely there is hope. God didn't leave humanity in the state of ruin and corruption and separation, but He told Adam that one of His descendants would crush the head of the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve. Is there any hope? Absolutely. God made a covenant with Abram to bless the whole world through his seed. He made a promise to King David way back in the Old Testament that a descendant of his would establish a kingdom that God would cause to go on forever and into the promised exiles when they were exiled, they're Their sin had grown, their impatience had grown, their their disobedience had grown. Along with their numbers, the Israelites, they were exiled and punished by God for that disobedience. And even in the exile, God said that I'm going to change the hearts of men, that I'm going to write my law on man and woman's heart. Is there any hope? Absolutely, there is hope. And then roughly 2,000 years after God's promise to Abraham, Jesus was born. God promised to send a Savior, a Rescuer, a Redeemer, and Jesus is born. Is there any hope? Absolutely there is hope because Jesus fulfills, Jesus fulfills and delivers all the promises of God and you can put your hope in him. Now, if you're taking notes, 
If you've got one of our bulletins, some of you have our bulletin, that would be the main point, all right? That would be the main point. If you're like me and you take notes uh, on a Google Doc or something on your phone, this would be the main point. Is there any hope? Yes, because Jesus fulfills and delivers all the promises of God, including Abraham's and the one he gave to David, and you can put your hope in him. Now, hope, hope is all throughout the scriptures, and hope is a big deal. Hope is a very big deal. Hope changes everything for us. One of the verses that um, I came across a couple of years ago, I took a retreat with some college friends, and we took some time just to read the Bible and, uh, and pray over one another, and one of my friends prayed Psalm 31, 24, over me. He said, be strong and let your heart be courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if there's a lack of strength in your life, if there's a lack of courage in your life, it very well could be because you're not putting your hope in the Lord. Because everyone who truly puts their hope in the Lord has grounds to be strong in their heart, in their minds, facing whatever circumstances it is. Those who are truly putting hope in the Lord can be courageous no matter what they're facing. Has the Lord brought home to you your sinfulness in these last few weeks? The fact that what you have earned for your sin, not just your sin, but where that comes from, your sinful heart, your nature, your sinfulness, what you earn for that is death and separation from God forever. Is that finally coming home to you? Children in the room, look at me. Children, is that coming home to you? You're very young. When I was your age, God started to speak to me at your age. And I started to realize who I was and who I am without God and that I need God. You can be strong and your heart can be courageous if you put your hope in the Lord. Jesus is your hope. Our worry, folks, our worry, it exposes us. Our worry exposes our belief in lies. Is anybody struggling with some worry? I mean, I fight worry almost every day. Our anxious striving, our excessive strategizing and planning, what does it expose? It exposes our hope and our own efforts to get the kind of life we think we need. We're exposed by our striving, by our obsessive planning and strategizing. Our fear exposes misplaced hopes in our hearts. Exposed. Is there any hope? Is there any hope that produces a strength when we consider our sinfulness? Is there any hope that produces courage when we're faced with an uncertain future? Anybody have uncertainty in their future? Anybody having to live by faith today? That's the design of God. Right? To strengthen you, to encourage you, to finish what he started, 
to give you a durable faith? Is there a hope that can give us courage when we're facing a bill we can't pay, an addiction we can't shake, a bitterness we can't beat, a loss we can't redeem, an obstacle we just cannot surmount? Is there any hope? Absolutely there is hope. Brother and sister, friend, listen. Is there any hope? Absolutely. And it's because Jesus fulfills and delivers all the promises of God. And you can put your hope in Him. Redemption has come. Hope has come. If you got to leave early for work, now is a good time. <laughs> hope. Hope has come. Let's read Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means God saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. God saves. The Lord saves. Is there any hope? Absolutely. So in the book of Matthew, he was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. And his audience would have known what to look for in the coming Messiah. They would have known the Scripture very well. So what Matthew takes great pains to do in the opening few chapters of his letter, his gospel is to answer the question to the Jew, why put your hope in Jesus? Why put your hope in this Jesus who claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God? And that is the question I want to answer this morning. Why put your hope in Jesus? The first point, the first point is put your hope in Jesus because He is the ultimate Son of Abraham. The ultimate son of Abraham. Now, why should that make any difference to us? Matthew 1.1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, if you were with us last week, this is starting to ring a bell. Oh, there's something pretty important about Abraham. There's something pretty important about what God promised Abraham. Well, to the Jew, when they hear that Jesus is the son of Abraham, that ensures them that this guy, this man who is doing things they've never seen before, he, is, he has pedigree. 
right? He has pedigree. Like, uh, uh, he is from the earliest stage of those people, the Israelites, the Jewish people's history. That's very important for the Jews. It should be very important to us that this Jesus who breaks onto the scene, he's a son of Abraham. He has Jewish pedigree. But there's also an echo that we've got to hear, brothers and sisters, an echo that we've got to hear of God's promises to Abraham that what? His offspring would bless all the peoples of the earth. Let me remind you, I'm going to read from Genesis 12, 1 through 3 and verse 7, this promise that God gave to Abram. And you guys, we're going to be bouncing around from Old Testament to New Testament, and uh, you're going to have to just let me read some scriptures for you. Not all of them are on the screen, but I believe we've got this one right here. Thank you, Nancy. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. What an awesome blessing. But the issue is, the land and lots of descendants are not a blessing to all the people of earth, right? It was a blessing to Abraham and his physical descendants. The land that they inherited, that was a blessing to them, particularly those that occupied the promised land between Egypt and the Euphrates River. But it was limited, right? How how was that blessing going to go to all the ends of the earth? How were all the families, all the peoples of the earth going to be blessed through Abraham? You see, it's made clear many times in the New Testament Testament that many physical descendants of Abraham will not share the blessing of Abraham. Romans 9, 6 and 7 says, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham just because they are his offspring. And in just a couple of chapters, John the Baptist is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And what does he say to them? Do not presume to, presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, so we'll be spared his punishment and receive his blessing just by virtue of our heritage. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. So the question that's before us is, how does the blessing of Abraham come to the people, all the peoples of the earth? And the answer is that while the land and being a physical descendant of Abraham are very significant, the blessing is not reserved for them alone. Jesus is the true, the better, the ultimate son of Abraham, the seed of Abram, through whom the true blessing reaches anyone who believes in him. Galatians 3, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. 
So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's not to say that there is no distinction between those things and those people at all, but there's no distinction between them when they come before Jesus for forgiveness of sins. And it goes on, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. God's blessing to Abraham is for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the true, the better, the ultimate son of Abraham. And you can put your hope in Him. Amen? Why can I put my hope in Jesus? Number two, put your hope in Jesus because He is the promised King. He is the Son of David. Now I'm going to take you back now to 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7 and Psalm chapter 2. We're going to read a little from Isaiah 42 and Daniel 7. Listen to this, 2 Samuel 7. God says to David, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, and you shall come, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Psalm chapter 2, we know that that is a royal enthronement psalm. God is talking about His King, His Son. I will tell of of the decree, the Lord said to me, you are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. And I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. Isaiah 42, God says of this king, he will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth, on the whole earth. He will be a light to the nations. He will open the eyes of the blind. In Daniel 7, he says his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Here we go again, right? King Solomon was David's son, a descendant of King David, and he did a lot of good things, right? I mean, he was the wisest man on earth. He was one of the wealthiest men on earth, right? People came from other nations just to listen to him teach and to give judgment to apply the law of God. He built a temple for God, but there is no way that this son of David could live up to the promises that we just read. A global kingdom that it lasts forever. Justice to the whole earth. A light to all the nations. Open the eyes of the blind. Who is this king? The Jews were waiting. Where is this king? Solomon was good. But there's more. God, the promises you made, it's more than what we see in Solomon and the other kings, though many were good. Who is this king? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew 
chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. There must have been a threat here. And all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He told them in Bethlehem, or the, the, the wise men, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, this is Micah 5, 2, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Brothers and sisters, friends, Jesus was declared king not by virtue of his military achievements, right? Not even by virtue of the miracles that he performed, but by virtue of his birth. He was a king. He was a son of David. He was the long-awaited rightful king promised to Israel by God Himself. Why can you put your hope in Jesus? Because He is the promised King. And He has identified at His birth. And Jesus knew who He was. Jesus knew who He was. Long before there was a mic drop, there was a scroll drop. And it happens in Luke chapter 4. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We'll read from verses 16 through 21. This is amazing. I just read earlier from Isaiah 42 about the coming Messiah, Savior, King. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, Jesus did, and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is king. He's the one that the Jews were waiting for. He's the one, the only one, that can give you hope. Obviously, this was legitimate because Herod, in his reaction, it was extreme and it was excessive. I mean, he demonstrates that he believes this newborn baby is a legitimate threat to his rule a contender for the throne. And what did the Magi do? 
what do they do when they come before Him? They rejoice with exceedingly great joy. They fall down and worship Him. And they offer Him gifts. Gifts that are meant for kings. Brothers and sisters, put your hope in Jesus because He's the son of Abraham. The ultimate son of Abraham. And put your, son, put your hope in Jesus because He is the promised King the Son of David, whose dominion is everlasting, who opens the eyes of the blind, who will not stop until establishing justice on earth. There's grounds for hope this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Put your hope, number three, put your hope in Jesus because He's identified by the promised forerunner, John the Baptist. Jews, they would have been looking for this, right? Matthew understood this. Jews would have been looking that before the Messiah came, the one in whom all their hopes are bound up, He would be heralded by someone like Moses, an Elijah figure. Deuteronomy 18.18 Way back, God says to Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, he says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And then we come to Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. I baptize you with water for repentance, John said, But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Later, John sees Jesus. He's with his his own disciples. He points, he looks at Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The forerunner had come. The forerunner was proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah. It was happening just like God had drawn it up. John comes fitting no stereotype, but fulfilling a variety of prophetic roles and themes. Jesus says of John, John is the man to whom the Scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. You can put your hope in Jesus because he was heralded. He was proclaimed. He was identified by the messianic forerunner, John the Baptist. And John says of him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You can put your hope in Jesus no matter what you're facing. 
Because he's a son of Abraham, the ultimate son of Abraham. Because he is the king, the promised king. And because he was identified by the forerunner, the promised forerunner. Fourthly, Jesus' lineage, his miraculous conception, why should we believe and put our hope in Jesus? Because of his lineage, his miraculous conception, his birthplace, the Magi, what they did, um, John the Baptist, the star, all of these things attest to Jesus' identity as the promised Messiah King, the one who alone brings hope. But there's one voice that speaks louder than them all, and that's the voice of God the Father. He hasn't spoken anything directly about Jesus yet, to Jesus yet attesting to who Jesus is. And then we come to verse 13 in Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan, to the Jordan River, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. God the Father put His stamp of approval on Jesus in two ways. He anointed Him with the Holy Spirit, and His voice, His voice, recalled Psalm 2 and Isaiah 42 and said, This is my Son. We know that by being anointed with the Holy Spirit, God was initiating Jesus' public ministry and initiating it with power. Acts 10, 37 and 38. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power power. The heavenly voice, God's voice, it cites excerpts from Psalm 2 and Isaiah 42. Both of these texts, considered by pre-Christian Jews, were messianic. They were looking to these and seeing in these scriptures, oh yeah, these are signs of the king that's going to come, that's going to rescue us And it's too good for me not to read for you Isaiah 42, 1, Isaiah 2, 6, and 8. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. This was a long time ago, long before Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He will bring forth justice to the nation. Psalm 2, as for me, I have set my king on Zion. My holy hill, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. 
you are my son, it evokes the entire content of Psalm 2. And it's in Psalm 2 that we see that Jesus is anointed, he is king over all, and that he is God's son. I want to point out just one other really important thing about this scene of Jesus' baptism. Does it remind you of anything? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of of the waters. The baptism of Jesus is an encore, folks. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just like at the beginning, we have here God the Father superintending the Holy Spirit over the waters. And Jesus, who we learn in John and Colossians, created all things. And here they are, back together again, initiating a new era in history, the era of redemption. Jesus is not a Son of God. He is God the Son from eternity's past. And you can put your hope in Him. Don't put your hope in anything or anyone else. Only He gives you grounds to be strong and let your heart be courageous. Finally, briefly, put your hope in Jesus because He is inviting you to follow Him today. Matthew 4, verses 17 and 19. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And He said to them, What? Follow Me. And I will make you fishers of men. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom, this, is, this means that the uh, one commentator says, the kingdom depicts the eruption of God's power into history in a new and dramatic way with the advent of Messiah Jesus. And Jesus is saying, repent. Change the way you think about me. Change the way you think about how you should live your lives. It involves a turning away from doing things your way and a turning to doing things God's way. Repent, he says. That change of mind, that change of heart, the consequence is a change of action, a change of the way you live your life, a radical change, a radical change away from the wrath of God. Brothers and sisters, put your hope in Jesus because He's the ultimate Son of Abraham. He is the promised King. He was heralded by the Messianic forerunner and He's inviting you to follow Him today. How did it all begin? God created everything and we were made to live under the perfect loving rule of God in His kingdom. What went wrong because of Adam and Eve's rebellion we are all born rebels in need of rescue. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Absolutely. Jesus fulfills and delivers 
all the promises of God, and you can put your hope in Him. Those are the questions that I've answered for you today, but there are a couple that only you can answer. Will you repent and believe in Jesus today? Will you repent and believe in Jesus today? Will you take hold of strength and courage by putting your hope in Jesus no matter what challenge you face? Nancy, if you have that photo of the tapestry, here we have a tapestry, a loom, a weaving loom. Does anybody know what those wires are called that kind of form the skeleton or the guide wires of the loom? I didn't know until this morning. I had to look it up. All right. It's called the warp. It's like the skeleton, right? It's the guide that you follow when you're weaving something on this loom. The point here is that your life is not like a leaf floating, being tossed helplessly, aimlessly in a raging river. It feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? That's the way it feels. It's not the truth. You're not like a minnow caught up in the Gulf Stream, right? You don't know where you're going to end up. It's going to be north somewhere. You don't know where it's going to end up really. No, your life is a thread in a giant tapestry that's guided by the careful hand of a personal, powerful, and loving God. Your life is a thread caught up in this tapestry of creation, fall, redemption, and ultimately restoration. Paul Tripp, he puts it this way, the story that is your life has been included by grace in the greater story of redemption. Because your story is woven into the fabric of the redemption story, there is meaning, there is purpose and direction to every part of it. And you can be, you cannot be in a place that is not under His rule. That is so easy to believe right now, isn't it? When we've had the Word of God poured into our minds and poured into our hearts, brothers and sisters, we've got to recall these truths when the enemy starts to whisper lies. Between Sundays, right? Between Sundays. We need to call up a friend and say, the enemy's voice is loud today. Remind me what we heard last Sunday. I'm having a hard time remembering. Remind me what it is. That's how we become family. That's how unity is so much more, like Barry said, so much more than just not fighting. It's becoming family where we support one another. We bear one another's burdens. We strengthen one another. Will you repent and believe in Jesus today? Will you take hold of strength and courage by putting your hope in Jesus? Will you follow Jesus on His mission to build His kingdom? If so, He'll equip you to be a fisher of men. Let's pray together.
God, thank you so much for making it so clear by your word, by your spirit, that we can put our hope in you and that we have grounds for strength in our inner man and inner woman, that we have grounds for courage in the face of whatever challenge we're facing. If we put our hope in you, God, won't you teach us how to do that? God, some of us have put our hope in you when we were afraid of the wages of our sin and being separated from you. But since that time in our lives, God, we've been living in fear. We've been living in worry. We've been taking matters into our own hands. We haven't been putting our hope in you Teach us this morning, God, how to put our hope in you, the ultimate son of Abraham, the promised king, the one heralded by the forerunner, God the Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Point, connect with us at www.pointchurch.live. Thank you.